everybody. Uh, however you are accessing the church, the service, whether you're in church or on Zoom or picking it up later on YouTube, you're very welcome. Um, the notices for this week are on the newsletter, which you should be able to find either by your email or on the website. Um, just a couple to highlight in the next two or three days. Firstly, tomorrow at 7.30 on Zoom, there is a meeting for anyone who is interested in contributing or ideas or anything like that as to how we reopen the church properly, ideas for the future, and in particular, ideas for an open-air service on the 4th of July. So if you've got any um, creativity, imagination, or you're just willing to help in any way, please come along to that on Zoom at 7.30 tomorrow. And then, um, very importantly, on Wednesday at 2 p.m., it's Margaret's funeral. If you haven't already booked a place and you wish to come, there are probably only spaces now in the garden, but please could you let me know by lunchtime tomorrow, either by emailing sunday at thomasrisley.org or by texting or ringing me. Um, the service will be streamed, so you will be able to pick it up at home if you wish to. But if you do want to come to church in any way, please let me know by lunchtime tomorrow. Our service this morning is being led by Stuart, and he is in church. This is the first time we're having the service actually led properly, sort of fully from church. Um, I'll now pass over to Stuart. Yeah, I'm a bit taller than Elaine. Well, this is this is different. I don't know where to look, whether to look at the screen or to look at all the lovely people here. Well, not that the people on the screen aren't lovely as well. But morning and welcome. Uh, it's Pentecost Sunday, so it's sort of uh, sort of right that we're here worshiping together, either in person or on Zoom. We come together in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to start with a psalm which talks of God's power and might and greatness. Psalm 104, starting at verse 31. May the, Lord, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks at the earth and it trembles. He who touches the mountains and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all of my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May, the, may my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. So we come to rejoice in the Lord, to praise his name, to be filled with his spirit as we worship. And we're going to do that as we sing our first song, I am, We Are Here For You.
So we continue in prayer. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that on this Pentecost Sunday, your power and your spirit fell on your church. We ask, Lord, now fall afresh on us this morning. Come in power. Come with fire. Come with your holy wind and refresh us. Fill us, Lord, afresh this morning as we worship you, as we hear from your word. And may your spirit open your word to us. We also, Lord, know that your spirit fire came and came with a purifying heart fire. So we ask, Lord, now that you will come and purify our hearts. You will make us clean. We ask for your forgiveness for the things that we've done wrong. Cleanse us, Lord. Refine us. Make us more like you. Make us new. We praise you. We worship you. We lift our hearts to you. Fill us, every inch of us, with your power and your fire this morning. That we may live our lives for your glory and praise. In the name of Jesus, we offer these prayers. Amen. And Kate and Dave are going to lead us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. need to unmute in the church thing. yeah tim, tim keeps switching it on to me i'm going to take my mask off now now under the under the regular oh gosh it sounds different under the regulations we're allowed to sing solos from church but i'm not going to do a solo um so it's birthday times and for the first time in well over a year i'm actually going to do birthdays from church on a sunday morning which is quite wonderful really so there better be a birthday so, uh, but however, what I will do is I'll do it quietly. So, does anybody in the room or anybody online have a birthday that we need to celebrate this week? <laughs> no, nobody. Well, it was a nice idea anyway. So, uh, I think the order of service it goes. I, I put my mask on again now because I'm not. Here. Right. Brian, you could do birthday to the church. Birthday to the church. Pentecost. I mean, I wouldn't like to deprive you of the happy birthday. I'm I'm not here to disagree with anybody about what we should do. If that's what we should do, then uh, that's fine. (laughs) Happy birthday. Was it happy birthday, dear church, is it? Let's do it then. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday, dear church. Happy birthday, dear 
mask on, back to Stuart, I think. Oh, oh, honestly, oh yes, Colin's reminded me. We have some photos. Now, what's the best way of doing this, Colin? Are you going to... If we all now going to speak of you, we might be able to see some wonderful pictures. Oh, you can't beat that, can you, really? It's a bit hard. That's wonderful. Um, Great. Um, We're going to have our our Bible readings now. Okay, the first reading is um, Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 4. Mike, sorry, I've muted you by mistake. It moved just as I went to click the button. (laughs) Right. I was well organised as well. I'd unmuted myself ready. No, sorry. <laughs> right, OK. Um, so the first reading is Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 14, the Valley of Dry Bones. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me to and fro among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to you, says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded and breath entered them. They came to life and stood upon their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My people, I'm going to open up your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. And then you will know that I am, I the Lord have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Amen. The second reading is Acts 2, verses 1 to 21. The Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Peter addresses the crowd. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, may it become the word of God for us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit. May my words be the words that you want us to hear and to receive in our hearts and to live out in our lives. For Jesus Christ's sake we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but during lockdown, I had some pretty weird and vivid dreams. Carol says she did as well, <laughs> which is great. A lot of people did. And there was, there was uh, even a, a TV program or at least a part of a news report that talked about how people were having more vivid dreams during their lockdown time. But I have to say, I don't think they were probably as weird as Ezekiel's dream. His dream of a valley of dry bones. That's a pretty weird dream. I mean, it's the sort of dream you get after having a heavy cheese supper. 
where you've, you've sort of gone to the fridge at 11 o'clock at night and uh, gorged on your favourite bit of cheddar and then regretted it um, half at three o'clock in the morning. It's that sort of dream. And it's no surprise because in a lot of ways, Ezekiel was facing challenges, probably bigger than ours in reality, but ours are pretty bad. His world had fallen apart. Jerusalem, the big city, the important city uh, for Jews, had fallen. The temple had been destroyed. And we have to remember that the temple was the place where the Jews believed that God's presence uh, abided with his people, lived with his people. So losing the temple, losing Jerusalem, meant the people felt that God had gone away from them. And they were losing hope. In verse 11, it says that the bones, old and dry, were God's people, Israel. That's how they were. Their hope, their their hope for the future, their hope for being with God, for being the people of God, had disappeared completely. The bones were old and dry. No hope for a future. I mean, just think about it. What hope does a skeleton have, really? Not much. And God asks Ezekiel in this dream a question. He says to Ezekiel, can these bones live? Now, to anybody, and I'm not a medic, I'm not a medical scientist, but I know that if you see a pile of bones, there's no way you're going to get much life out of them. The obvious answer to that question is no. No way can these bones, and remember, they're not just bones that have just come You've just been there. They're, not, they're dry bones. They've been there a while. There's nothing in them. They're dry. There's no life. So the obvious answer Ezekiel could have said is, no way. No way are these bones ever going to live. But his response is different. Ezekiel, understanding something of the power and might of God, said this to him. Sovereign Lord, only you know. Only you know. Because Ezekiel recognized, even in this time where there was so little hope, that the sovereign Lord was still sovereign Lord. And that there was a chink, a chance, a slim slither of hope in Ezekiel's response. Only you know. He knew that God had the power, if necessary, to put the life back in these bones. Now, if you can imagine, maybe you don't want to, but if you can, imagine a field of bones. Now, we don't imagine it to be, uh, maybe we imagine it just to be lots of skeletons laid about. Or like you sometimes see on those uh, nature programs where you see the, uh, the graveyard of the elephants, where they're sort of, you can still see that they're elephants, but they're just dead ones. It wasn't like that. It was a field of bones. They were all higgledy-piggledy. There wasn't any... Uh, order to them they weren't nicely formed into skeletons it was just a big huge pile of bones so that caused a bit of a problem if you've got just a pile of bones what hope is in that it's like one of those impossible jigsaw puzzles that's like baked beans 
You never, I mean, has anybody ever finished one of those jigsaw puzzles that's just thousands of pictures of baked beans? It's just like that. It would be impossible to sort it out into any sort of order. But God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to those bones and I will make them live again. Prophesy to them and I will make them live again. That's the hope that out of this total chaos and death and dryness, God promises to put his life back into them. And that's God's way. God changes life, changes death to life. That's his miraculous way of doing things. Change that seems impossible to us as mere human beings sometimes. But we know with God, all things are possible. God is the God of power, of might, of life, of love, of hope. And that's what we see in this prophecy, in this prophecy of Ezekiel. If you think about it, there are so many examples of people and things that have changed to become, go from death to life if when people have met with the living God. There are stories of people from the IRA uh, in Northern Ireland and the uh, Ulster uh, Defence Forces that, that were enforcers who would go out and do terrible things to other people who didn't uh, see their way. Yet they met with the life of Jesus Somebody introduced them bravely to Jesus and suddenly they realized their lives were going in totally the wrong direction. They were they were in a life of death. And yet then they transform as they met Jesus and suddenly their desire for their communities is to see peace, to see reconciliation and to work for that and to show people that the way they were doing things was wrong because they had a new way of doing things, a way of life that was Jesus. Similarly, you may have read stories uh, of drug gang leaders, particularly in the US, but also over here. There's people like Nicky Cruz and people like that. You may remember reading stories about them. Those stories where they were in the midst of where it could be, couldn't be darker. With death, murder and, 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 and terrible things happening. And yet they met with the living, risen Jesus Christ and their lives change. They become people that want to overcome that, that gang culture, that they become youth workers and speak out and try and bring that hope and love to young people. And it's not just the big stories. It's all of us. Every single one of us. Maybe we haven't all got a big story to tell, but God comes on ordinary people when we perhaps feel, even at the moment, that hope is a bit lacking. But God has promised us in his word, in this word to Ezekiel and into the into the lives of others that he will come. He will bring full and wonderful life, life and love, contentment and wholeness. He will bring what we need for the moment. The power of God's Holy Spirit saved us, saved people from death to life. Because that's how God works. 
So as Ezekiel prophesies to the bones, they come together. This higgledy-piggledy mass of bones comes together. And it says there's a rattling sound. I love that. I wonder if it sounds like a xylophone. That's why I imagine it. Like, ding, 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 ding. There's this xylophone sound that, that brings all these bones together. And more than that, they don't just come together as a skeleton. They come together with tendons and flesh. So what we have now is a field of corpses. That may not seem a great improvement on a field of higgledy-piggledy bones. We have a field of corpses. They needed something else. And God speaks to Ezekiel and says, he says, prophesy to these bodies. Prophesy breath into them. Bring that breath. And what we have to remember is what he was asking Ezekiel to do was to do the same as happened to Adam when he was created. The breath of life was to come into those bones, into those bodies, bring heavenly CPR to those bodies and make them live again. The breath of the spirit was to pour into those bodies and make them alive. And the breath, the word for breath was ruach. That's the Hebrew word for it, which is the same as wind, a mighty wind. Now, where have we heard that before? The Pentecost story. It's exactly the same word. The same wind that brings life into these dead bodies is the life that comes on the disciples at Pentecost and brings life to them in a new way. And the amazing thing is that pile of bones is no longer just a dead and dusty pile of old bones. The body stood up. They started breathing. They were living creatures again. And not only that, as Ezekiel looked out in his vision, he sees a vast army. An army that goes on forever and ever. So what was a lifeless and hopeless pile of bones was now an army ready to serve the Lord. And then Pentecost, the spirit came with that same ruach wind and flame. And you can imagine, again, just a few disciples with hope, just a bit of hope gathered together for prayer. In that time of Pentecost, which was a, 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 a celebration time, their, their Lord had ascended into heaven and they were just waiting, as they'd been told, in prayer for something, for the next thing, for the Holy Spirit to fill them. And suddenly life bursts into their building. Life bursts into their lives and it bursts out of them as flames on their heads or what looks like flames, as wind that powers them. And those that were cowering away, and Peter, the fisherman who often got it wrong, suddenly has the power to stand up in front of a crowd of people that he probably didn't know and were from all over the world. Well, the known world anyway. And he preaches the gospel to them. He says, this is what this is about. We haven't had too much wine. What are you talking about? It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Although I guess for some people that's no different. But they... They, they hadn't had too much wine. This was the power of the spirit in them. Life was bursting out of them. 
And he reminds the crowd in Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem of Joel, the, the prophecy of Joel, where it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people and they will dream. They will prophesy. They will see signs and wonders before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And when they call on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. He preaches the gospel to them with power and they receive it and Thousands come to faith through that. The same spirit who would put life in the old bones in Ezekiel's prophecy would bring life and healing and salvation to the Pentecost crowd. But not just stop there. God's spirit hasn't stopped being poured out. Often we think that's a lovely story and it's nice to hear Pentecost again uh, for one day a year. But the Pentecost story goes on for day after day, for year after year, for thousands of years to today. God is still pouring his spirit out. I remember preaching once in a church about the Holy Spirit coming and it wasn't during Pentecost. And one lady came up to me and she said, Why are you making our church into a Pentecostal church? Why are you preaching on the Holy Spirit? And I said, well, why not? I said, shouldn't we all be Pentecostal churches? Because that was when God poured out his spirit on the church. That's when we knew we could go into all of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth with the gospel. And we continue to do that. God continues to pour out that same spirit on us, that wind of the spirit into our lives, bringing life to the world. Now, we may see the church or even our own lives as old bones. We may feel a bit creaky in our faith at the moment. And it's not surprising having experienced what we've experienced over the last year. But what we're called to do is... Allow God to fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. And he's just waiting to breathe that life into us, to bring that lovely flow of the Spirit back into our lives again. We need to be filled with the Spirit. And I think Sally said a couple of weeks ago in her sermon, she talked about how we need to continue being filled. And I always imagine I'm a bit like a leaky bucket. I need to be continually filled because I'm continually leaking. And that's not just that I get things wrong. Of course, I do sometimes. Yeah. And and God forgives me. But I leak. Sometimes we're giving out to people in our service and in what we do. We continually need to be filled with the spirit and we need to come before God uh, to receive that spirit afresh. Just open ourselves to him. Why do we need to be filled? Why is it that we need to have that same spirit of life in us? Why does God pour that out on us? Why did he pour it out on the early disciples? Well, because we're called to a commission to preach the good news to the world, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what the spirit is for. We're called to see signs and wonders, to see people healed and restored and released from the things that hold them. We're called to be connected to God in worship. Being filled with the spirit makes worship different. I remember that when I used to go to worship before uh, being a Christian, it was a bit dull. And then I went back almost to the same church 
and being having received the spirit and given my life to Jesus. And it was a different thing. It suddenly all made sense. And I felt connected to God as I sang and I praised and I listened to God's word. And we have the words of the Bible. Sometimes we can't understand them all. Well, we probably never will understand it all. But sometimes it just comes alive to us. That's the spirit speaking to us as we read God's word in the Bible. We need the spirit within us to share our faith boldly with others, just like Peter did in front of that great crowd. We need the spirit within us to pray with fire and passion for the lost, for the dry bones in our community who have not experienced the life-giving power of Jesus in their lives, who have not experienced that life can be different in knowing Jesus. And for all of us to know the love of Jesus with all our heart and mind and soul and to love our neighbours as ourselves. We need the spirit for that too. Now that's what God has gifted to us. That's what we're praising God for today. That's what Pentecost Sunday is all about, but it should run through our whole lives, our whole uh, every Sunday that we meet, every weekday that we, we meet others. And some people say, well, the church is a bit boring. Not if you read it through the eyes of the Holy Spirit like this. The church isn't old bones. It's a vast army. And by the power and the breath of God's spirit, we can change the world. Even the little bit that we have some impact or influence on, we can make a difference. The Holy Spirit is not just for special people like Ezekiel, like it was in the Old Testament. It's now for all who call on the name of Jesus, all who are saved. As the prophecy of Joel says, we will see signs and wonders. We'll experience the life-giving breath of the Spirit and we will live out our lives so that others may know that power in their lives. The old bones will know new life. Let's pray. Lord, some of us may feel like old bones this morning. Some of us may feel a bit disheartened and down. Maybe some of us feel the last year's been enough. Prophesy, Lord, to us. May our old bones be brought together. Breathe your breath, your spirit power into our lives afresh this morning. May we know your power. Come Holy Spirit, wind, fire, breath, life. Into our hearts, our minds, our very beings. Reform us, mould us, Lord, into a vast army for you to bring life and hope to a hurting world. We pray in the name of Jesus, come Holy Spirit. Amen.
Just continue to receive the spirit as we sing our next song, which is Great Are You, Lord. Oh 
Let us pray. Lord, we just give thanks that we can worship and praise you today without fear of persecution and in the safety of our homes and church building. We're reminded that your church is the people and that there should not be any pressure to return to the church building. But it's good all the same. Lord, it's all in your time. When we mentioned birthdays, we were reminded that Pentecost is Greek. And it means 50th, Pentecost day. And 50th day is known as the birthday of the church. We were also reminded that prior to this, your disciples had been living in fear following your resurrection on Easter Sunday. They too had been in lockdown. We thank you, Lord, for the gifts you have given us, either individually or as a church. And we pray that we use them to further your kingdom here on earth. We pray for our vision, that our eyes see through the looking glass and that we see clearly and perceive what you want from us. That we take time in solitude and prayer. That our ears are used to listen and hear. That our hands are used to work and create. We pray that our minds are used collectively and as one to think and innovate. That we use our memories to remember and to learn from them. Our hearts are used for love and worship and to praise you. We pray for our government at this time and for all world leaders. We pray that there is peace in your time. We pray that the ceasefire holds in Gaza. And we give thanks for the work that we have supported through Commitment for Life and for Park and more recently, Reef Microfinance in Palestine, in support of farmers in their olive groves who've been forced from their land and homes, some of them killed. We pray also for Yemen and Tigray. Lord, we pray for those affected by injustice in your world. And we pray for the work of Christian Aid at the end of Christian Aid Week. We turn on our taps and take for granted the running water that's always available. We're thankful that we have vaccines, not just for COVID-19, but for many other diseases. And Lord, we just pray for those who struggle to cope with life and without vaccines. We pray for India and Brazil. Give us, Lord, when we fail to speak out. When we choose to take sides with the strong and we ignore the cries of the weak and persecuted. We pray for our community and our schools, our doctors, our dentists, the key workers. And we pray for the startup work again of Stuart and Lynn within the community. We pray for our minister, Jenny, for our elders and all who make up this community. We pray for the children and young people 
who are starting to feel post-lockdown freedom. But we pray for those in your world who have never known anything other than isolation, suffering and persecution. And Lord, we pray this morning for those affected by the volcano in the Democratic Republic of Congo. We pray for those who are sad because someone they loved has died. We pray for Alex, David and Graham and their families, particularly for the funeral on Wednesday. And for the family of the person who took their life at Padgate Station. We pray for all those who are hurting and feel unloved. For those struggling financially. And we give thanks for the work of Christians against poverty. Lord, we give thanks that despite us worshipping in isolation over the last 14 months, we are still people of God. A community of faith led by God the Father, the Creator, God the Son, our Saviour, God the Holy Spirit, our present presence and power of God. And that we are not alone. And we give thanks, Lord, that you are always with us. Amen.
As we finish the service this morning, I'd just like to say thank you to Stuart for his powerful message. Can I ask you all to unmute yourselves and go on gallery view as we say the grace to each other. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, love of God, Fellowship, and the Holy Spirit, be with us all, evermore, evermore. Amen. Amen.